Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode is really special because I actually got on campus today. I interviewed a few students. I'm not entirely sure how much is going to be in this podcast. I haven't edited all that. Probably going to do that in the half an hour I have before my class starts. Between when I'm out of this studio I'm currently renting, I guess study room, unofficial studio that I'm renting, and my next 3.30 class. I got about half an hour to see all the recordings I have. Um, Honestly, maybe not a single one of them makes it, but it's really just trial and error. If you saw me on campus today, I really appreciate you talking to me. Um, Again, this is a long process. I'm really not entirely sure what I'm doing, but I'm learning, I'm picking it up. It was honestly a lot of fun to talk to a lot of you guys, but I don't know, you know, how much the mics caught on. There was a march going on, so there might be some background noise point is i'm gonna figure that out in a little bit here this intro is being recorded before i go into my own segment so this episode is going to start off with my segment um, i'm going to be breaking down some teams to buy i'm going to be talking about three teams in particular that i've been playing football at a very high level and you know might be catching steam at the right time during the season i'm also going to be talking about two teams that i really don't know what to make of right now and could have dramatically different floors and ceilings and then i'm going to be talking about three best bets for all you betters out there that are feeling risky this weekend if you want to take something because honestly i haven't been talking about bets a whole lot on this channel i've kind of been staying away from it and i have been a lot more inconsistent with my uploads but i promise i'm going to be getting more consistent over the winter is really where i'm going to be and by winter i mean my winter break for school is really where i'm going to be figuring out everything as far as you know interviewing people on campus as far as getting you guys involved i'm hoping to get another jersey way jersey giveaway going excuse me so there's a lot of exciting stuff for the future of murphy's league be sure to stay tuned for it all without further ado let's get into my segments All right, guys, so first things first, like I mentioned in the intro, we got to talk about three teams that are playing really, really high-level football, and even if they're not playing you know, at their best, they're kind of finding ways to win and catching steam at the right time and can make some serious noise in the playoffs if they play everything right. First off, we got to start with the Philadelphia Eagles coming off an absolute statement game win against the Buffalo Bills. Again, just showing their championship pedigree in that game. Maybe don't always win pretty, but they always find a way to get it done. It really is remarkable to think that this team lost to the Jets. Obviously, there were a ton of turnovers in that game, and that really was the difference for the Eagles in that one. But either way, just adding another signature win to their gauntlet it's really scary to think they really still haven't put a whole game together through and through. They haven't been dominant on each and every single level. Like we saw them a few times last year where they just blew some teams out of the water. We really haven't seen that yet, both defensively and offensively. There have been problems on both sides of the ball. There's been I mentioned it earlier, it was the kryptonite against the Jets, it's why they lost that game. There was too many turnovers on offense um, as a whole throughout the season. Again, we saw that on display in that Bills game as well. They had an interception as well as a fumble lost. And then they also let up too many big plays defensively. 
not getting the ball too much themselves either. So their turnover margin, not as great as we've seen in years past. But honestly, this is a team that just continues to find a way to win and they can beat you in a whole lot of different ways. We obviously know how well they can run the ball. DeAndre Swift is having a great year. Jalen Hurts can do some damage himself on the ground with his own legs. And then we know if they want to air it out, they can do that as well. Um, Zacchaeus made a great catch on a scramble drill for that Buffalo game to put them in a critical spot, you know, to take that game and put it in their own hands. And then, of course, <laughs> overtime came around. It's a whole different story. I'll get to that in a little bit from the Bills' perspective, but that's a different segment a little bit later down the line. A couple more things I do want to say about the Eagles, though, is that they are have the best record in the NFC. They're about to play San Francisco. I'll talk about that game a little bit later in the podcast, but this is going to be their biggest test yet. They're lucky that they do have them at home, but if you just look at how they've held up through this trial by fire that is their schedule the past three weeks and now upcoming their fourth game that's really going to be a very tough game they fared very very well they obviously beat the kansas city chiefs they now beat the buffalo bills and they're going to face the san francisco 49ers if they can come out of that three-week stretch three and oh i mean it doesn't get much less impressive than that it is super super impressive what they've been able to do these past few weeks and again just all the markings of a championship team, all the pedigree of a championship team. They were my pick for, to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC before the season started. I still think that's going to continue to be the case. And luckily for them, their record is so good at this point. And again, San Francisco, as we know, slipped for three games there. Even if they do lose to San Francisco at home, which they are currently underdogs, which I mean, I guess I understand it, but it, it really is crazy to think a 10-1 team can be underdogs at home. Even if they do find a way to lose that game, which again, more than possible, we know how good San Francisco is, they'll still you know, control their own fate. They'll still have the number one seed in the NFC. And this is still a team that could easily make it back to the Super Bowl. I'm super excited to see how they get it done. Um, you know, you, you hope to see a little bit more from them uh, as far as taking the ball away and again, not giving the ball away as much, but those are stats that can change dramatically from game to game. And they can fix, if they can think, fix those things up and take control of those assets of the game, this team is gonna be really, really hard to beat. Up next, another team that's peaking at the right time, a team to definitely keep on the radar and a team to possibly buy some stock of is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not only did their offense look significantly better this past week against Cincinnati, yes, they only put up 16 points, but they had over 400 yards of offense for the first time in quite a while. Obviously, Matt Canada being gone has really been a huge storyline coming out of this franchise, but they're currently sitting very pretty at 7-4 and four now, beating Cincinnati. Not only that, but with Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow now being out for, the, out for the season, it really does pave a way for them to make a serious playoff run. And not only that, but their last six games of the year are honestly very, very favorable. They have the Cardinals, Patriots, and Bengals at home. You'd expect all those games to be very winnable for them. They have some tougher road games coming up, which include going to Indianapolis, facing the Colts, going to Seattle to face the Seahawks, and then they finish up with the Ravens on the road. By then, who knows, that could even be for the division. 
I expect the Ravens to hold true and win this division that is the AFC North, especially, again, with Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson going down. That really does give a huge advantage to the Ravens and the Steelers. But at the end of the day, you really can't count the Steelers out. You never know if they have the opportunity to take the division from the Ravens in their building. Guarantee you Mike Tomlin is going to have those guys ready to snatch that crown off of their heads. Those are... (laughs) like marquee AFC North rivalry matchups, you know, early January, right before the playoffs starts, it's getting cold, you know, defenses are flying around, we both know how well these defenses are playing, that is going to be a really, really exciting game, and again, even if it's not for the AFC North crown, that's going to be, have serious implications in AFC playoff seeding, so both of those teams are still going to have plenty to play for at that point, but Let's get back to the Steelers because that's what this segment's focused on right now. We'll talk about the Ravens in a little bit, but they are playing the right brand of football for the Steelers. And again, Matt Canada being gone, it was day and night. Of course, it's only a one game sample, so there's only so much you can take away from it. But going over 400 yards of offense, Pratt Fire. Friar Muth, excuse me, really emerged as a top target in this game. He went well over 100 yards. He was targeted a ton over the middle of the field and up the seam, which was an element of Kenny Pickett's game that, frankly, we just haven't seen at all. It's been mostly out of the numbers and a lot of shallow passes. He was going deep down the field, not only to Pratt Fryermuth down the center of the field, but he was also using guys like Pickens and Deontay Johnson. When he saw one-on-one opportunities, he was taking his chances when they had him, and he was often making the most of them. Again, only put up 16 points in this game, but statistically, it looked a whole lot better than that. And the way they're winning football games is very translatable to the playoffs. I'm sure if you're a football fan, you've probably already heard analysts saying this, but it's absolutely true. They've been doing it by playing bend but don't break defense. You know, their defense statistically isn't the absolute best in the league. It's not the top, but they're not allowing a whole lot of touchdowns. They're running the hell out of the ball. They're running it very, very effectively, not only with Najee Harris, but Jalen Warren as well, who's playing very, very well. And most importantly, they're winning the turnover battles very consistently. They're tied for first in giveaways per game. That means they're not giving the ball to the opponent. And they're also third in the lead league excuse me, in takeaways. So they're doing a lot of really, really good things for their franchise. They are playing really, really high-level football right now, and they are a team I am absolutely buying in on. Up next, and I say this with a little bit of precaution because I don't, I still don't know if I can fully trust them. That you know they've had some circumstances go the right way for them to win some of these games, but nevertheless, I gotta give them some credit where it's due. And this is a team I frankly don't talk that much about on this podcast. So let's go with the Denver Broncos. They started one and five, probably should have been zero and six if my Chicago Bears don't choke that lead against them in their own building. But since then, they have absolutely turned it on. They now have a winning record on the season. They are now 7-5, and five, if I'm not mistaken. I probably should have written that down. I'm going to look it up really quickly. Totally not typing this super last second and looking it up um, very briefly. They are 6-5. and five. That is so my fault. Sorry, guys. That didn't even happen. I was so ready for that. Either way, I think the question has to be asked, is Sean Payton officially a Coach of the Year candidate? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you guys, but I think his name at least has to be sprinkled into the conversation because the improvements they were able to make mid-season is one of the most stark differences I've ever seen in an NFL team. And obviously, Sean Payton, known for his 
offensive talent and known as more of an offensive mind in this game. But specifically defensively, the improvements they've been able to make are nothing short of amazing. The fact that they had 70 points dropped on their head earlier this year, and they're now only allowing 17 points per game um, since week six is absolutely incredible. It's one of the lowest marks in the entirety of the NFL since that in that stretch. And it's not like they've come against some bad teams. There have been some really impressive wins in there. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he was he had his flu game or whatever it might have been when they played each other, but still holding the Chiefs to nine points is no gimme. Even before that, they held them to a very uh you know, low total of 18, if I'm not mistaken. And then they've had impressive wins, you know, over teams like Cleveland, who even though they might have outsmarted themselves a little bit in that game, I think coach Kevin Stefanski, you know, would like to have a play or two back, you know, particularly that end around towards the end of the game. That was just not good play calling at all. My point is Denver is beating some good teams. You know, Cleveland has a really good defense. Going into Buffalo and winning that game in primetime is no joke at all. You know, stalling out Joshua Dobbs, even though he's kind of stalled himself out. He was, you know, the hot commodity for a couple weeks there in the NFL. They contained him and found a way to win that close game in Minneapolis. My point is, some of these Broncos wins are pretty impressive and you got to give them their flowers they have a winning record they have you know a serious path to make it to the playoffs which if you told me that you know not only before the season but just six weeks into the season when they were one in five i would completely not believe you it is un unbelievable what they've been able to do and i still think you know me personally i'm probably sleeping on them a little just because i know how bad they looked last year um you know i've seen all these russell wilson memes and uh, you know they had 70 points dropped on them earlier this year but frankly this feels like an entirely different team russell wilson is enjoying a resurgence of sorts and frankly their biggest game of the year is coming up next week they're going to houston houston currently sitting at six and six obviously one of the best storylines in the entirety of the nfl if they can go into houston and win that game they really control their own destiny to make it into the playoffs and houston they're fighting for a wild card shot themselves so this is a game with huge implications i will most definitely be watching on sunday and i'm super super excited which when you think about it in perspective, it's really funny because it's week 13 and my most exciting matchup of this upcoming week, besides Eagles-Niners, which obviously has to be the game of the week, is actually Denver at Houston. If you told me that before the season started, I would have been like, there's just no way I'm watching that game. They're both going to be dog shit. You know, the only thing they're competing for is possible, like, top five pick selection. No, both of these teams are fighting for playoff spots. I am here for it, and I'm super, super excited to see how it all unfolds. Up next, let's talk about two teams pretty briefly that absolutely scare the shit out of me, and I have no idea what to make of them. All right, guys, so two teams I absolutely have no idea what to make of are the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Starting off with the Baltimore Ravens, I will say I went to the Chargers-Ravens game on Sunday Night Football, and don't get me wrong, they look like the far better team than the Chargers, but we knew that already. The Chargers' season is practically officially over. Obviously, mathematically, they're not eliminated, but by now, sitting at 4-7, and seven, you they're more than likely out of contention for the playoffs. Uh, Baltimore simply outclassed them. They looked far, far better on basically every asset of the game. But 
Their defense did a really, really good job. Their offense took a dramatic step backwards in this one. It seems like they really are going to miss Mark Andrews quite a bit. Again, it's the same argument that I gave with the Steelers where this is only a one-game sample size, but I feel like we really saw what we needed to in this one. Lamar Jackson only had 177 yards through the air in the entire game. Of course, it, in the end, it didn't matter. They found a way to win this football game. But his leading receiver on the day was Isaiah Likely, of course, the backup tight end to Mark Andrews, which... I talked about it in my last episode with Cole. We thought that Mark Andrews, or sorry, with Mark Andrews' injury, Isaiah would see you know an increased role and maybe be the go-to guy in this offense. Obviously, at least through one week, that proved correct. Isaiah likely does seem to be a major factor in this passing game going forward. And I will say, again, just like the Steelers, this is still an amazing defense, and they can still run the hell out of the ball. Keaton Mitchell looked electric in person, just as he does you know, each and every single Sunday. He looks really, really good. Um, so when you can run the ball like that and you can play great defense, you're basically going to be in every game. And, of course, there's, there's what I was just saying where that's very translatable to the playoff picture but at the same time you need to throw more yards than 177 we know how this league works now we know how pass happy it is we know how the rules have changed where it's becoming much much more pass heavy and pass dependent they need to see more out of the receivers they need more from isaiah likely they just need more in general because the chargers on the season have not been good against the pass at all their cornerbacks have basically been torched all season long um they're statistically you know dead last in opponent passing yards per game so to only put up 177 yards even with you know first game without mark andrews there will be some growing pains absolutely but against a defense that's that statistically bad against the pass it's not a great look whatsoever and frankly it's going to be the difference and if the Ravens can get over the hump and get into the Super Bowl I think that's going to be the biggest difference who's going to step up for this team what receivers are going to come in clutch for them and that is a reason why the Ravens scare the shit out of me I don't know what to make of them I still think they're you know their defense can keep them in games we know how elite their run game is but we've also seen games like the Steelers earlier this year where Lamar's excuse me Lamar was let down by his receivers and there were a lot of drop balls in that game and ultimately it ended up being the difference and it was a big reason why they didn't win it so will it cost them in the end will that be their kryptonite will that be the reason why they make it won't make it over the hump because in my opinion if they don't that will be the biggest reason why they won't up next the Buffalo Bills. I don't know what the fuck to make of this team. We finally saw the old Buffalo Bills, the old Josh Allen. It was vintage. I mean, seriously, like it is so what we're, it feels weird to say vintage for a quarterback this young, but I mean that in the sense that this is the Bills we're used to. It was basically all on Josh Allen's back. Not only was he, he their leading rusher, he had 51 attempts on the day, went for over 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns as well. He looked like he was in full MVP superhuman Josh Allen form. Of course, that comes and goes almost every other week by now. You know, you can't expect to see that consistent Josh Allen each and every single week. 
but this really looked like the Buffalo Bills we know and love where their run game was absolutely non-existent. I'll give them credit. They didn't get away from it. There's times where their run game has nothing going and they just completely abandon it. And next thing you look up at the box score and James Cook only rushed the ball eight or nine times. That wasn't necessarily the case in this one. He did touch the ball 16 times for 43 yards. So again, efficiency was not there. At least they didn't get away from it. But again, needs to get better in that aspect. It's really, really hard to win football games when your run game is practically non-existent. It feels like we've been saying this for the Buffalo Bills basically ever since Josh Allen became who we know to be Josh Allen as. Um, but I want to give credit to Jordan Davis and you know some of those other interior guys up front for the Philadelphia Eagles. They were doing an amazing job stopping the run. Jordan Davis in particular, I mean, my God, in overtime, he was playing out of his mind. Um, but, I mean, other than that, it's just... I, Again, getting back to this segment and why the Bills scare the shit out of me, it's just this is the Bills we know, and I don't know what to make of them. They always seem to be so close. Josh Allen's now 0-6 in his career in overtime. Uh, just <laughs> feel have to feel bad for him in that regard because he just can't get past the overtime curse or whatever you want to call it in that aspect. But... I don't know what to make of this team. I like what they do defensively in a lot of aspects. I love the move they made for Rasul Douglas. He has been critical for them in a lot of aspects. Josh Allen, when he's playing at his highest level, he is literally one of the best football players in the entire planet. But you just don't know what Buffalo team is going to show up. You don't know if their run game is going to be non-existent like it was in this game. Luckily for them, their pass protection was pretty good, but they really got nothing going run blocking wise. They're sitting at 500. You know, they still have a very good chance of making the playoffs. It's still within grasp. But at this point, the division, you know, it's mathematically, I'm sure it's not gone. I'm sure they could catch up to the Miami Dolphins, but it feels a little bit far-fetched by now. And again, it really just comes down to me, can they get their run game going with James Cook? Can Josh Allen do a better job of taking care of the ball? And then if those two things can happen, can Josh Allen also just play at the level we saw in this game? Because yes, he did have a couple turnovers at that interception to Bradbury. Not a great look. He obviously just didn't see him there lurking at all. Bradbury, give him credit. He made a great play on the ball. But Josh Allen has been responsible for far too many turnovers this year. If he can keep that down, if the run game can get going, this defense feels like the only consistent thing that the Buffalo Bills have going. We know their pass rush is very solid. I like some pieces in their secondary, especially Rasul Douglas and their safety duo. So if they can bring it all together, I mean, this team can beat absolutely anybody in the NFL, but it's just a question of if they can keep it together for four quarters and in some cases, four quarters and an overtime, which in this case, it didn't happen to be. Again, give a ton of credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. They absolutely grinded that one out and it was a great win for them. But let's get into my final segment of this episode as far as what I'm doing by myself. Again, if the interviews do make in this episode, they'll be at the end. All right, my last segment of the day, probably going to be my shortest one. And then, of course, the interviews will be at the end of this episode. So if you want to go ahead and skip to that, feel free to do so. But my best bets, I'm not going to spend as much time on this segment, but there's three bets uh, that I want to share with you guys because I've kind of gotten away from betting as far as sharing my opinions in betting. But low-key, I've been doing pretty well. So I want to share share with you guys. Hopefully, I didn't just jinx it and all these go to shit. Watch, I, they're going to go 0-3 for the week. But the first one, 
without further ado, the Steelers minus five and a half. This team is just as good against the spread in general, but especially at home, they are doing very, very well against the spread. They're four and two against the spread at home on the year. They're also three and one against it as a favorite. Uh, also, we just saw Kyron Williams go absolutely nuclear against this Cardinals defense. I expect the excuse me, the Steelers to do the same with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I really do expect them to run the ball a pretty healthy amount against these this Cardinals team. Cardinals also not very good as far as keeping the ball they have a lot of takeaways or sorry giveaways on the year i was just talking about how the steelers are very very good at taking the ball away i think because of the home field advantage all those terrible towels are going to be flying high you know kyler murray has had some moments in his return obviously won his first start back but hasn't been all sunshines and rainbows that last game against the rams was a very very ugly one now you know traveling across the country after that I just think the Steelers have too much to play for right now. They have too much to prove. They really want to prove that they are here to hang in the AFC. I think their defense suffocates Kyler Murray and gets it done. I think their ground game controls the clock and they own the time of possession thoroughly throughout this game. I think they win by a touchdown and possibly more. So for all those reasons, give me Steelers minus five and a half at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Up next, let's go with the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans, minus one point. On the season, the Colts are 3-1 and one as an away team against the spread. They're also 3-0 and oh against the spread as favorites. They're only one-point favorites in this one. That's pretty obvious to me, uh, simply because, you know, these divisional games, they always seem to be very, very close. But I think Will Levis just doesn't have a good day in this one. I think Indianapolis's pass rush really gets going and gives him some troubles. I think the only way that the Titans have a chance in this one is if Derrick Henry has a vintage Derrick Henry game and just goes for like 150 plus but other than that I just don't know if I see it happening again they've been very very effective at getting to the quarterback all season long the Colts that is sorry kind of backtrack a little bit Colts have been very effective at getting to the quarterback all season long I expect that to keep it going against a young quarterback um, in Levis and again Titans offensive line is very subpar as of right now. Not only are they seventh in sack percentage as a defense, the Colts that is, they're also sixth in interception percentage. And yes, Jonathan Taylor is out, which hurts this team a little bit, but I still think they get a good dose of Michael Pittman going in this one because the Titans have not been particularly good at defending the pass at all thus far this year and honestly for a couple years now. So I expect that to keep going. I think Gardner Minshew takes care of the ball. I think they control the ball on the ground with Zach Moss and he does his job. And for all those reasons, I just think the Colts are a better team right now. I think they outclass Tennessee. And yes, it is in Tennessee, which makes it a little bit more sus, but that's okay. I still like the Colts minus one. And finally, I like over 46 and a half points for the Niners at the Eagles. I, frankly, I don't really know who's going to win this game, but I do think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. I think we're going to see some back and forth in this one. I think it's going to be a contender for game of the week, possibly even game of the year, may I say. And I think they're going to show out for America. This is like America's bet, if that makes sense. This is something I really want to happen, and I think fans deserve this one. Over 46.5 points for the Niners at the Eagles. These are two of the highest scoring offenses in the league i believe they're second and third in total points per game um 
the Niners being second, the Eagles being third. So I think they keep it going. Um, yes, the San Francisco 49ers defense statistically has been playing very, very well. Eagles, not as much so. But I just think they find ways to get it done. Both of these offenses, we absolutely know what they're capable of. Explosive plays in the run game and more. So I really like the over of 46.5 points of the Niners at the Eagles. But that's going to do it for my solo segments today in this episode. I hope you guys did enjoy. Be sure to go follow me over on Instagram at Murphy's League if you don't already. Because there is going to be a jersey giveaway coming out soon. But without further ado, if there's any footage that, you know, or I guess audio recordings that I found quality, they will be added at the end of the episode here. So thanks for tuning in. If you are in this episode, then thanks for, you know, joining me down there in front of the Arbor. I'll be back next week for some more content, and I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Peace out. All right, guys. So now we're going to get into the trivia part where I interview students on campus. Unfortunately, only two of the clips are really usable. I'm still getting used to these mics, so some of the quality wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Some of the other ones, there was a ton of background noise. Um, there's a lot of people active on campus right now. You probably hear some background noise behind me, but nevertheless, shout out John and Sean for joining me on the first segment. I got Alexis on the second one. Thanks to you guys. And hopefully the quality is not too bad. Again, we're hopefully getting this better each and every single week. So just deal with me, bear with me while I'm getting all the kinks and bumps out of the way, but hope you guys enjoyed the segment. Nonetheless, thanks for tuning in and let's get it. We're now, but that doesn't mean we got to start it. Do you guys want NFL or NBA? I think NFL. NFL? NFL? I don't know NFL. I don't know. Good work. All right. I'm going to give you guys a minute per question. If you can get it within the minute, I'll give you a dollar per question, all right? All right, cool. All right, make sure to talk into the mic. And right now we got the first one. Who were the top five leaders in receptions last year? Oh, okay. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Number one. Stephon Diggs. Number four. Jamar Chase. Nah. No? He was injured. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, Chris Olave? Nah. No? Cooper Cup? Nah. No, he's he was injured too. Um, uh, not Drake London. Uh, who else, bro? Really fast. Ooh. Um, Tyreek. Tyreek. Yep. Um, uh, All right. You just need three and five. Three and five? Yeah, you got like 30 seconds. Cor- not Corlin's. Corlin Sutton? Nah. No? Um, um DK? Nah. Uh, not D- DJ Moore. Nah, no, bro. I'm blanking. He's an icon right now. He's a what? He's an icon in every ad what you see right now. Really, really ad. famous. Why am I blanking on this? Oh, Travis Kelsey. There you go. And then, uh, one more. Um, I'll give you. Th- I'll give you an L- a little extra longer for this one. Okay. This one's the hardest one. I. There's two guys. They're tied at 107. If that helps. Okay. One's not a receiver. Mike Evans? Nah. Um, um, CMC? CMC? Nah. No. Right State, though. Oh, uh, Debo? Nah. Ayuk? Nah. <laughs> um, uh, Go South. Keenan Allen? Almost. Same team. Mark Williams? Nah. Oh, Eckler. Yeah, number five. That was bad, right, Good shit. <laughs> All right. What's your name? Alexis. Alexis O'Leary. O'Leary. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's uh? So she's not gonna do the normal trivia because she's not a fan like that. But we're gonna make it up on the spot. So I'm gonna start easy. What team plays in Kansas City? Chiefs. What team plays in San Francisco? 
Oh no. No 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 no. She's no. already blanking out. No on no, this. no no no. Forty nine. Yep, yep, okay. Yep. All right. What quarterback has the most Super Bowl wins all time? Um. God. Now that it, Tom Brady. Yup. 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 I'm like, what's his name? Okay. Giselle's husband. Who has? We're gonna switch sports. Who has the most three pointers all time? Um. Michael Jordan. No. Kobe Bryant. He's still playing. Um. Three pointers. That really tall one. <laughs> He's shorter. Fuck. You couldn't see the hand motion, but I wave. I wave short. Short. He plays in the Bay Area. Stephen Curry. Yup. 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 Okay. How do I make this a little more difficult? Stephanie. Who? Or is it just Steph? <laughs> it's Stephanie Curry for sure. Who? I'm trying to think. What would you know? I like these little microphones. Okay, I'm going to do this. So there's four teams that I've never been to a Super Bowl. I'm mm. going to name you the city, and you just have to give me the mascot of the team. Or I guess okay. the, like the team, mascot. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Detroit. Redskins? <laughs> no, <laughs> she said Redskins, <laughs> if you guys couldn't hear that. <laughs> Is it not called that anymore? No, that, uh, they got canceled. Um... I feel like they would be from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> they would be from Detroit. Detroit? Oh, the... It's a different animal. Not a bear. Not a bear. Not a bear. Definitely not a bear. The Detroit... Okay, we'll come back to that one. Animal? Yeah. It's like, they're like the Chargers or whatever. That's LA. Fuck. Okay. We're getting further away. Okay, okay. We'll come back. We'll come back. Okay. Okay, Jacksonville. That's Florida. They're definitely like... It is Florida. The Crocs. <laughs> no, but it's another animal. It's not dolphins. Cause that's... No, that's Miami. Yeah. Um, is it an ocean animal? No, it's a cat. Panthers. Almost. That's Carolina. God damn it. Oh, is it a cat? Oh, you said it's a cat. Jay. Um, Jaguars. Yup. Same right. thing as a panther. Basically. <laughs> but there is a, a different team called the Panthers, so that oh, wouldn't have counted. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Houston. This is probably the hardest They've never one. been to the Super Bowl? Mm-mm. Houston. Is it like the Carols? No. <laughs> That's CC's mascot. I know, but Shout I was thinking Houston might also like vibe with that. You're kind of close. So, so like there's the a, Cowboys, right? Yeah. And then this is like also involving the state of Texas. Like it's quite literally in the name. Of Texas? Yeah. Like, I mean, you just don't ever think it. Just That's state John of Texas. SB. No way. I have to say hi to him. Who's That's John my SB? middle school teacher. Oh, shut up. He's Alexis, like, our middle legendary. school teacher. He's super legendary. Do you need to go? I need to go say hi to him. She needs to scram, but... Thank uh, you for coming it? on, oh, Texans. Texans, God, yeah. that's a it, it would have been tough. <laughs> Thanks, Alexis, for coming on the pod. <laughs>